Amen. Thank you, Linda, for reading. As you see, our passage today is Acts chapter 20. That's where we're going to be. And as we begin this morning, I have to start us um, with some bittersweet news. Um, Rachel and I have accepted a position in Kansas City as senior pastor at First Baptist Church, Peculiar, Missouri. Um, This was a tough decision for Rachel and I, and one we made with much prayer and discernment. Um, And I I can honestly say that it is a decision that is probably one of the toughest I've ever had to make, and one of the toughest that Rachel and I have had to make in our marriage. Um, The reality is we really do love it here at FBC Enid. This is a great church. Um, It's a church that, that loves us and loves God. And when we came here as a a fresh-faced young couple, maybe very young couple, and, and we might still be a little bit young and fresh-faced. Um, we've gained so much experience here in Enid. Um, on a personal level, we had our first kids here in Enid, bought our first home here in Enid. This is my first time ministry job here in Enid. Um, on, on a church, on a ministry level, uh, we've gone through COVID, through pastors leaving, through staff turnover, through transitions, remodels, task force, you name it, it feels like we've done it in the past four years. And, and so I want you to know that, that you guys will always hold a special place in Rachel and I's heart for the love that you've shown us, for the care that you've shown us. Um, you, are, you are family, and I hope you know that. And, and I want you to know that we would not have made the decision to take this job in peculiar if two things weren't true. Um, first, that we firmly believe that God is leading us to do this. Um, it took us much prayer um, and, and, and patience from God, from stubbornness on our part, to really feel like we felt God was calling us to this new position, to affirming us there in peculiar. Um, and, and we would not have taken this position if that was not true. But the second thing is, is that we believe that you are in great hands. First of all, you're in God's hands. Um, and, and, and you don't need us. You don't need me. You've got him. And that's good enough. And he is gracious, and he is faithful beyond our imagination. And so you are in his hands, and he will lead you, and he will lead his sheep to greener pastures. And so he's looking out for FBC Enid in ways that go beyond our understanding. Um, and, and how much better can he prove that by than giving us Jonathan and his leadership? Um, he is fantastic, and I look forward to the days ahead to seeing how he leads you guys and how you guys are led by him to follow Christ and to reach this community um, you are in great hands. And so it's a huge blessing to leave knowing that that is the case and knowing that, that we can trust the hands that God has given to lead you. And, and so these things have given us a peace in making this decision. And, and so we know that, that you're going to have questions and there's going to be thoughts and there's lots of things to do um, in the next few weeks. Our current plan is that November 20th will be our last day here with you guys, last Sunday here with you guys. Um, and that will come quicker probably than any of us um, want or expect. Um, but we love you guys. We've loved our time here. Um, and, and we hope that, that the bond that we share will continue. And, and so the, I chose the passage that we read this morning, Acts 20, um, because while it's not a perfect um, parallel, there's, there's some really, I think, important parts about Christian ministry. And there's a lot of similarities to, to, to Paul's address to the, the Ephesians. I think we can take away today and give us some encouragement and some hope. And so let's go ahead and dive into Acts 20, starting in verse 17 there. And the first point that I think is important to talk about today and to emphasize from this is that Christian ministry is temporal. Here's what I mean by this. All Christian ministry will end someday. Until Christ returns, um, 
no matter how long we may want to stay in one place, we will all eventually die. It's a great thing, great um, happy thought to start off with today. But the reality is all Christian ministry being bound by time will end at some point until Christ returns. And we, we know this, we live in a military town, and so we probably know better than a lot of people the temporal nature of Christian ministry. We're used to people that we invest, that we care about um, leaving in, in a year or three years. And so we've, we've come to the realization that, that the reality of ministry is that you love people for the time that God gives them to you. And that's the reality of Christian ministry. And Paul realized that. He got to spend about three years with Ephesians. He knew when he, le- when he left that he'd never see them again. But Paul didn't stay because he knew that the reality is that when God calls, when, when you have to follow him, that, that while it's bittersweet and while you may want to stay longer, we need to be obedient to him. And so we understand that ministry is temporal and that it's, it's going to end someday. And so that influences how we do ministry. It first means that we serve hard. It means we serve hard. We lay it all out on the line. We don't leave any for the next game. We don't leave any for the next week. Um, we serve hard. As my brother in Christ, Christian, Christian, Aaron Betts likes to put it, he likes to say that when the Lord returns, let him find us exhausted. And that should be true of us, that we realize we have a limited time here, right? Whether it be a graduation or the next job, or wherever God would call us next, or even just to call us home, right? We know that we have a limited time here, and so we serve hard, but it also means that we love quickly. I I know Rachel and I can attest, this is a church that loves quickly and loves deeply. From the day we got here, you guys opened up your homes and your hearts to us, and so we are eternally grateful for that. And I know being in a military town, it's easy to get jaded about how quick people leave, But don't let that stop you from loving quickly, from embracing people. If you talk to the military families that are at this church, they will tell you that one of the reasons they're here is how quickly we as a church love them and embrace them. Let's love quickly because we do not know how long the Lord is going to bless us. But then also, let's move on. Whenever that next season happens, whenever that next season comes— Let's enjoy what God has given us, but let's move on to where he's leading us next. Because the reality is we understand that every day that God gives us together is a blessing. And so whether it's one day, one year, or a hundred years, the ability to do ministry together, to serve alongside together, is always a blessing from God. And so we, we enjoy that, we encourage each other with that, and then we move on to the next blessing, the next relationship, the next ministry opportunity that God gives us, because ministry is bound by time. But it's not just that ministry is bound by time. If anybody understood that ministry is relational, it was Paul. Just ima- I want you to imagine for a second being in that room with Paul and these elders in Ephesus. We are talking about a supercharged emotional time. Here were people that he had sacrificed with, that he had served alongside you. And he knows, right? He doesn't have Facebook. He doesn't have social media. He can't just give them a call. He knows that when he leaves the present, he is never going to see them again this side of heaven. But he doesn't for a second discount the relationships he's built with them. Ministry, Christian ministry, is built upon relationships. Jesus did public ministry. He invested in the masses, but he invested in men that he knew one day he would have to leave. 
Ministry is relational, and so we invest in people. Because the reality is, the gospel saves people. And so if we're going to be ministers of the gospel, if we're going to be people that care about advancing the gospel, we must invest in people. We must take the time to get to know people, to care about them, to care about their hurts and their heartbreaks, to care about what is going on in their lives so that we can minister the gospel to them, which means that ministry will hurt. When Rachel and I came here, we said, and those that were on the the committee that hired us can attest, we said that, that we wanted to hurt someday if we ever have to leave. Because that means that we invested here. It's a good thing that it was hard for us to leave. It's a good thing that it's bittersweet for us to leave because it means that we invested our lives here. Ministry is relational, and it's dealing with people. So it will be messy, and it will be challenging, and there will be times that it feels completely unsatisfying, but ultimately, it, is, it leads to beauty and closeness. Because we invest in people, because we care about people, because ministry is relational, we get to see the beauty of God's plan made bare, not just in our lives, but in the lives of other people. Do you ever stop and reflect for a moment on how shallow and how much of our faith we'd miss out on if we lived our faith in isolation? Right? Those of us that have enjoyed the fruit of being among Christian brothers and sisters can point to examples and testimonies of how our faith has been strengthened, how we learned something about God, how our own walk has been strengthened by the faith of our brothers and sisters. That if we had not been around them, if we had not been by them, we would be shallower in our faith because of it. And Paul lays that out here to the Ephesians. He says, I've been among you. I would not trade my time among you for anything. You yourselves know the value that I've had among you, how I've lived among you, how I've walked among you. Think of what Paul would say elsewhere in Scripture where where he lays out, right, if you've seen anything good from me, anything beautiful, anything pure, live that way. Why? Because you've seen my life. What he says to Timothy in 2 Timothy, right, he he says, if you've seen anything from me, any teaching, any aim, any conduct, right, any, any character, if you've seen anything among me, let us personally invest in the lives of people around us, even if that leads to heartbreak and hurt, because ultimately that is the plan of God, and Paul demonstrates this. But it's not just that we know that we're time-bound in ministry or that we're personal ministry. We're also aspirational ministry. Christian ministry is aspirational. Here's what I mean by this. If you read all that Paul says to him here, he sure seems to be focusing on a lot of good things. Right? He says to them, you know how I served among you, how I knew only good things among you. He, he, he emphasizes all these good things. But if you were to flip back a couple of chapters and go to Paul's time in Ephesus— Scripture makes clear it wasn't all hunky-dory in Ephesus the entire time that Paul was there. In fact, we know very clearly that there were times the leaders of the, Ephes- of the church in Ephesus disagreed with the things Paul was doing. And there were times that the city of Ephesus revolted against Paul. And so the reality is, right, Paul could have talked about that, right? Paul could have said, you guys know how difficult it was. You guys know how much we fought. You know all the things. But no, that's not what he focuses on. He focuses on the good things that existed between them. And that's the the reality is, that's what we do in Christian ministry. In other places in scripture, we, we we get told, right, to bear one another's burdens. 
right? We get told, right, to forgive one another. We get told, right, to walk alongside one another. If we're going to do relational ministry, then we're going to see the sin and messiness in other people. But as Christians, that's not what we hold on to. We don't hold on to the bad. We don't hold on to the, to the, wrong, the wrong that's been done to us. We hold on to the good things. We seek the best by first seeking Christ ourselves. Paul makes clear, right? He makes clear in this letter. He says, right, I've, see, I've sought Christ. And I've sought to make Christ known. Paul's aim, and we see this throughout Acts, we see this throughout all the New Testament, was Christ and him crucified, right? Christian ministry is centered on the cross of Christ. And that is our aspiration. That is our goal. That is where our, faith, our gaze is fixed. And so we do all the ministry with our gaze locked squarely there. And so as circumstances, as trials, as tribulations, as persecutions, or transitions, or whatever it may become, we individually and collectively focus our gaze there and say that whatever challenges or imperfections we face in this world pale in comparison to the perfection of our Savior. But then also, we seek it in others. Right? Paul could have probably laid out all the shortcomings in these Christians in Ephesus. Right? Compared to Paul, they probably weren't that great. Paul's a pretty high standard to live up to, let alone the standard of Jesus. So Paul could have pointed out probably everything that they were doing wrong. But that's not what he does, is it? He talks about the love they have for him. He talks about his hope for them. When we do ministry with other people, we always are looking for how to make them more like Christ. We seek Christ in them. And so we work for them. We forget the ways they annoy us or insult us or, or the hang-ups we could have about them, and instead we find Christ in them and we point them towards Christ, which means ultimately forgetting the bad. And so I would ask a favor this morning of you. I'm sure, because I've been here long enough and I know you guys well enough, that I've done things that have probably annoyed you at least a time or two. Rachel's nodding her head. Yes, I'm sure that's the case. I'm sure I've done things that have distracted you from following Christ. I'm sure at times I probably have not done the things that Christ has commanded me to do. And so here's what I would ask of you, that you forget that. That as I leave, that you would forget that and you would instead see any goodness in me, any purity, any Christ in me, and you would remember that and that would encourage your walk in Christ that you forget all the bad, and even if it's just 1%, you remember the good. That's what Paul wanted from his relationships in Ephesus. That's what Rachel and I hope for our time here, is that any goodness, any purity, any godly character that you've seen that, and that you will live that out yourselves. And so we not only see just the reality of what Christian ministry is, we see that ultimately that Christian ministry is challenging. Church is challenging. Life is challenging. Being a Christian is challenging. And so our tendency, right, our fleshly desire can be to then run away from ministry because it's challenging. Do you really think Paul really, if you really look deep down inside, really wanted to go to Jerusalem where he knew he'd be arrested? Do you really think he wanted to leave these people in Ephesus that he held so dear? 
They're literally openly weeping for each other, but he realized that the ministry that God had called him to was going to be challenging and that he had to be faithful to it, even if it was challenging. The reality is, as I said, ministry is relational, so as we work among people, it's going to be challenging. Sometimes people don't do what God tells them to do. Sometimes people don't do what you tell them to do. And so the reality is, because of that, ministry is going to be challenging. And it's going to take time, and it's going to take effort, and you will pour out your life for ministry, and you may not see a lot of fruit of it. But that does not mean that we get a skip on doing ministry. You know, it's amazing how often when you hear of, of great missionaries, of great people in the faith, people we look up to, how many of them would, would go someplace and serve for 20, 30 years and not see a single convert. And then all of a sudden overnight, it was like a switch was flipped. You don't think during that, that, that time of struggle in India or China or some remote place that God had called them to, they weren't questioning the ministry that God had called them to. Go read about them. That is always the case. But the reality is they understood that the challenges and the difficulties, right, did not make it not worth doing. They understood the challenge and the difficulties were part of the plan of God refining them for the purposes to which he had called them. And so, listen, I know that you're in good hands. I know that you're in good hands going forward. I know the fact is you don't need me. You got God and that is enough. And so there will probably be challenging seasons ahead. Hopefully not exactly like the challenging seasons we just come through. But there will be challenging seasons ahead. But that is good for you. It is good because it means God is refining you into the image of his son. And so when those challenges come, rejoice. When the hardships seem like they will never end, rejoice. When things don't go your way or, or, or somebody is not following Christ like they should, rejoice. Because the challenges and the trials are part of Christian ministry. If life is easy, maybe we need to ask the question, are we really serving like we should? Because what I see in Scripture is time after time, God calls his people to challenges and trials and to crazy service to him and calls them out of their comfort zone and into places where they have to rely completely on his grace and his sovereignty. And so ministry is challenging. But if I see anything in, in what Paul says here, I see ultimately that Christian ministry is fulfilling. Think about as Paul boards that ship and as he sails away, you don't think he's replaying all the good times he had in Ephesus, of the conversations and, 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 the, and the time he meant and what it meant to him to be in Ephesus. You don't think there was some joy in him knowing of the deep connection he had formed with him. There wasn't some joy in him knowing of the faith they had. And so while it's challenging and while it's messy, Christian ministry is ultimately fulfilling because it's the job that our Savior has commanded us to do. Making disciples is the mission he's given us. And so when we do that, Right? While we may struggle and while we may have challenge, it is ultimately fulfilling because we're living exactly in the center of what God has called us to do. And so we live as God has called us to do, and that leads to fulfillment. That leads to joy. And I know for, for Rachel and I that, that we can testify that our time here has been fulfilling. Why we would love to stay longer. 
and we love to continue building the relationships we have here, we can say that in our leaving, that, that God is enough for us, and that we've been fulfilled in our time here. He has challenged us, that's for sure. It's not necessarily been the easiest season in the life of our church or in the life of, of any person here. But God is good enough to bless us. And so I want to encourage you with the sovereignty of God this morning. I want to encourage you that God is in control. That God's plans and ways, as we read from Romans this morning, are way beyond our imagination, are way beyond our ways. And so I'm sure some of you have questions. I'm sure some of you are maybe like, yay, he's gone. But the reality is, God is still in control. And God is still working in your hearts and in the lives of the people here. And so my challenge to you is the same challenge that that Paul gave to the Ephesians. It is to look out. It is to stay on watch. It is to keep doing what you've been doing. Because there's still ministry to be done. There are still people to be reached. And so as you go and proclaim the gospel, look out. Look out for those that would deceive and would tear down. Look out for those that would lead astray. But do not grow weary in doing good. Love God and love each other. I could share many stories of of time here, of fond memories. But the story this week that just keeps coming to mind time and time again was the Sunday that we were here checking out the church. We weren't here in view of a call yet. We were just here checking out the church. And we were uncertain about if God was calling us here. I remember sitting in the back row of that section right next to Rodney. I remember hearing you guys sing and thinking that's a church that loves God. I remember thinking that's a church that loves God and I can hear it in how they sing. They're not afraid to praise their Savior. And then Rodney came over after service or maybe before service and introduced himself and I was like, that's a church that loves people. Maybe a little too much in Rodney's case. <laughs> and so my hope is that you can keep doing that. That you can keep loving people like you do. You can keep loving your pastors like you love them. And then you can keep doing the mission that God has called you to, which is to reach to Enid with the gospel and to the ends of the earth. I almost made it to the end without crying. I did so good. <laughs> I hope you know that that Rachel and I love our time here and would not have traded it for anything. And we're excited to see how God continues using you. And so as the worship team comes, as we conclude, if you're a guest here, this is a weird Sunday to be here. (laughs) I'm sorry. But I do want to encourage you with this. I want to encourage you that this is a place you want to belong. Because this is a place where you're going to hear the gospel you're going to hear that you are a sinner and that your sin separates you from God 
And that on your own, you can never be made right. But God, being rich in mercy with the great love with which he loved us, sent Christ to die on the cross for us. And Christ's death and resurrection are sufficient for our salvation. You're going to hear that message preached, and you're going to be called to respond by believing in Christ and repenting of your sins. And then you're going to be called to fellowship with brothers and sisters that believe that same thing. And so be a part of what's happening here. And then that church is going to take you. They're going to equip you and they're challenge you and then they're going to send you out. They're going to send you out to Enid, to Panama, or to wherever they go to proclaim that Jesus saves. And so be a part here. And church, I want you to know that we love you and we're excited to see how God moves. As we enter this time of worship, let's stand and sing together.